It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Thursday to you. And the week is just flying by, isn't it? Before you know it, it's going to be the weekend. And we're running out of weekends for summer. So get out there and have your fun. Of course, I don't know why people say, you know, that why they lament the end of summer. Because, first of all, just because the calendar turns to September doesn't mean that the Summer is over. It still goes for another couple of weeks, technically, and certainly weather-wise. But also, fall's just so much better. There's so many great things in fall. You can go apple picking, pumpkin picking, although that starts earlier and earlier. I used to try to do that stuff in October with my son when he was younger. And we would show up and they'd say, oh, we don't have any apples left. I mean, you can go walk the orchard if you want, but there's no apples left. What? Oh, yeah, no, everybody came and picked them already. So that's the lament of the person that waits till October to do fall things. Uh, it, it just starts earlier and earlier now. And I think that... It, 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 I want there to be a full enjoyment of every season. I just... I, I don't remember my life in my lifetime, or growing up, I should say, a like two week apple picking season where if you didn't go within the first two weeks, which is like the last two weeks of September, forget it. You weren't getting apples. If you don't go out and get a pumpkin by October 1st, forget it. You're not getting a pumpkin. And I just don't remember that. I guess it's because those things have gained popularity. Great marketing on the part of, you know, the agricultural organizations in Massachusetts that push people out for that stuff. Stories like you will see on our website and on Fun 107, you know, like the best pumpkin patches, the best places to go apple picking. Articles like that have proliferated the internet, so that's probably pushing some of that too. But I see all these posts from the summer people out there on social media that say, why is all this Halloween stuff in the stores? Slow down. I want to enjoy the rest of the summer. Well, nobody's saying you can't, but get out of the way for us fall and up. Especially October people. I went into, um, what's the store over here? Big Lots. Yesterday and was looking at some of the Halloween decor they have. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like for me, I have a lot of that stuff. Because I used to do up my yard. So I would always buy it on November 1st. Because in those days, November 1st would be, you know, 75% off sale. But they don't do that as much anymore because there's all these social media influencers that are spooky people that are out there collecting all that stuff. So they're still charging full price until they pull it off the shelves in mid-November. Maybe not full price, but certainly not 75% off, maybe like 25, 30% off. So now it's like, eh, 
I, I don't know that I need to have that animatronic skeleton for for a hundred bucks, but I, I certainly would have bought it for thirty bucks. So I'm a little bit bummed out that there's some really cool stuff that I know that I just won't allow myself to spend the money on. In fact, I've actively avoided going to Spirit Halloween for that very reason. Because I'll end up seeing something that's so cool I'll have to buy it. The last time that I went into a quote-unquote Halloween store, I walked out with a 1950 television, (laughs) which is in my office here at WBSM. It's a big uh, floor model. Uh, I think it's a Philco. Or is that one a Motorola? Might be a Motorola. I don't know. I haven't opened the cabinet doors in a long time because there's, I got stuff in front of it. But I went there and I I was like, how much do you want for that TV? And the guy's like, that was just for a display. I, I don't know. I'll take 50 bucks for it. Brought it back here, put it in my office, and it hasn't moved since. Because it's heavy. I don't want to carry it home. It's heavy. Anyway, 508-996-0500. So as on the heels of the story that we've been following all week long about UMass Dartmouth pulling classes from the Star Store campus and the future of the Star Store building currently uncertain, on the heels of that comes a story where now the proposed development of Pier 3 has hit a snag. Now, if you remember, there's been discussion about how a group that counts among its members, uh, restaurateur Steve Silverstein, uh, Ed Anthus Washburn, formerly of the New Bedford Port Authority, and others, this the plan was to take State Pier, which mass development is in charge of, the plan was to take State Pier and develop it to have some different uses. There would be some retail shops, a restaurant, uh, an, an office or, or a facility for offshore wind, and uh, a seafood market, seafood auction from base. They would have right there in front of you, you could see, you know, like in Seattle where they have the guys throwing the fish. There would be like an open air like fish market like that, that people could walk through and, and buy fresh seafood. And this was a proposal that I think people liked the idea of what would be done with it. There's some folks who thought that the last thing we need on State Pier is anything to do with offshore wind. They've got the rest of the waterfront to develop that there. We don't need to have that on State Pier. So there was a little bit of contention about that, but it's not It's not going to be a large facility. It's just a presence, really. And then the... You know, a few other people were like, well, you know, who's going to get to go into that restaurant? What's going to happen there? And But for the most part, I didn't hear a lot of people complaining about what the plan was for State Pier. Where people took issue was the process. Because this was something that was not, negotiations for this were not out in the open. So when this was announced... And I remember Mayor Mitchell came on with me because I was on at 9 a.m. at the time. And he would come in every Wednesday at 11. He'll be back next week. He was on vacation this week. But, you know, he was touting this uh, as, as he should. But he was involved in the process. He was involved in the discussions. 
But you know who wasn't? The state legislature. The representatives and senators that we have representing us in Beacon Hill, who are the ones that had to approve the money for this project. They were not included in the discussions, and they felt like the process was a behind-closed-door situation. So they objected to this agreement, which the group that was behind it thought they were all ready to go. They thought everything was going to work out, but I guess the window that they had to, to, be, to begin things ended yesterday, so now it's going to go back out for bid. They're going to put out another request for proposals, and that group is invited to resubmit, but there's going to need to be a few little tweaks, including an issue with using public funds to further shore up the pier for that development. Now, this was, if you remember the state of state pier years and years and years ago, before particularly Senator Montigny, also Representative Cabral and others, pushed for funding. And, and, and really, Senator Montigny is the one who spearheaded the effort to have state pier taken over by mass development. I remember talking about him, talking about that with him at length for a story a few years ago. Where he said, you know, this was what we needed with this. We needed this organization to come in and make something happen here because it had languished for too long. And then that kind of came back to, to, to bite him a little bit when now mass development is working out these deals with developers and not including the local delegation in the process. So now the process is going to start over. It's probably going to be much more transparent since the legislators had to file Freedom of Information Act requests to get the information on those negotiations from last time. But that plan is no longer in the works, at least as of right now. So there is a chance for someone else to swoop in with an idea that could end up being the selected plan. It could be the same group with some tweaks to their plan, but it's going to take significant more capital now because they're going to have to pay for some of the reinforcements as much as they've done to state pier for the kind of foot traffic and structures that they want to put on it now it would need more firming up and i, I don't know if it's true or not but it's been kind of characterized that if not for the money that was already invested that pier would have already been in the water So if we've gotten to that point, how much more shoring up does it need? 508-996-0500. That's the number to call in and chime in. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Morning. Morning, John. Funny you bring up that point about, you know, the state legislator, um, legislatures thinking that we're going to, or thinking that they're doing it behind their back. When Bill HD4420 okay, is behind all of the LTC, the law enforcement's back. They're pushing that bill harder than they're pushing any kind of bill right now to get that passed. That's what I find funny. Well, but I don't know if that's been behind the scenes. I mean, we've heard a lot about it. We've heard a lot about it, but a lot of the stuff is... is have you have you even tried to read that? Have you tried to read that bill at yeah, all? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's like as, I need to hire a lawyer to read it for me. Because, yeah, as with so most it, bills, it, my eyes of, my eyes glaze over about a paragraph yeah. in. 
oh my god, it's like it does it really need to that and that's what I'm talking about with it being so so sketchy is that a normal human being like myself and yourself, okay, or anybody that's listening right now, would look at that bill and say, Wow, I need to get a I need to get an attorney to read this. Yeah, but that's the I, case. I have no that's, idea what the heck I'm, I'm reading. That's the case with most bills because they, they they just write them in that that legalese and that governmentese that they need to use. It's 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 really it's not it's not any different than what I've seen for a lot of other bills. So, are there ways you know are there ways for these guys to to write them in layman's terms for the general public to read? I mean, it would say, be hey, like paragraph like paraphrase it and say hey, this is what this paragraph means. This is what this paragraph means. You know what I mean, like. I mean, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, somebody, you know, uh, there's a lot of these like lawyer websites that will like kind of break down laws for you just to get you know eyeballs on their page. So, like, you yeah. can you can find, you know, if you type in like what are the LTC laws in Massachusetts before you even get to the um, state regulations and guidelines, yeah. you're yeah. going to find all these lawyers that have these pages on their website that you know just direct you over there. Yeah. Uh, to get traffic on their site, so I'm sure somebody's probably taking that and breaking it down in, in in that fashion. Yeah, but you you get you get what I'm saying, right? A lot of these a lot of these bills are like can't even read them. You know, I mean, I try to read them. I try to. I honestly, I really do. I, I I like going on that website where they, you know, especially the state legislature, like the um, state representative websites, and, and it shows them all the bills that they've worked on. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of them, are, you know, if you you know if you read a lot of these these you know. Democrat uh, legislating pages or whatever, like the guys that you know Montigny and Maki and all these guys. It's like, you know, what 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 are they really doing up there? You know, I don't I don't know I don't know. But um, Hawaii, have you been following that? Nah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I I mean I I don't know if the media is really reporting the right numbers here. Because I heard that nine that ninety six number or that one one thirteen or one oh three number that I heard yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think Adam Adam Bass he, he he reported some sort of number yesterday that off of I don't know where he got it from, but um, that's all that's like three or four percent of the area that's burned. So if if that's three or four percent, I mean do the math. You're talking like three to four thousand people dead. Well you know what I mean it's the thing is, a lot of times with some of those outlets, the numbers will be different because of where they're gathering their data from and what, what, yeah. um, what those outlets, you know, what those bodies have reported to them, but, you know, the, the governmental bodies or the authorities have reported to them. So, you know, one, one number might be right, but another news outlet can't, can, can't use that number yet because they haven't confirmed part of that yet like the other news outlet has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how about this guy, um, how about this guy, Dr. Miles? You heard about this Fire and Fury book? Uh, no. It came out August 8th. Oh, I'm sorry, August 10th. It was published August 10th about the fires in Maui in 2023. Okay. You want to talk about weird? A book getting published two days after, and the, and the event was still, it was, it was still occurring. The, the fires were still occurring, and this guy, and this Dr. Miles Stone, I think his last name was. Look it up on huh. Amazon. I mean... He, 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 that doesn't surprise me. And and you know what was funny though, Tim, is that he was pushing climate climate change. He was I mean, pushing the climate change. The first like, question I would ask is how long is the book? Oh, it's like maybe I don't know, fifty pages or so. It's not a long book. Yeah, because I could like, I, I could write a fifty page book in a night. That's what I'm saying, but it's like it's like why are you gonna uh, you know, publish a book 
when people, I mean, I, I literally getting killed. Like as as you're writing that book, there's people getting killed. Oh, it, unfortunately, life. it happens all the time. Yeah, it's just it's soaking up the the you know it's 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 not it's not it's not right to do. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's it's a self published book, which means that when this whole thing went down, and he probably has done this before, or others probably have done it before, where yeah. something happens and you just quickly bang out something together yeah and you can you can format a book and put it into an ebook format in 10 minutes yeah i was just looking at it i mean my brother sent me all this crap last night and i'm like looking at it and i'm like you gotta be kidding me you know i mean uh uh, about how now the governor wants the governor was on record uh before the fires even started saying that he he wanted to, to, to for maui to be the first smart home city on the island you know, and then all of a sudden, two, three weeks later, the islands, the, the, the Maui's up in flames, getting wiped to the ground. It's like, you gotta look, you gotta like step back and think, yeah. I know it sounds, I know it's, <laughs> it does sound like a bunch of conspiracy theories, but I mean, if you really think about it, it's like, wow, man, he's, it's bad when social media is reporting more news than you're actually hearing, uh, you know, more accurate news than you're hearing. Mm, no, uh, anyway. what happens is social media starts connecting dots that don't need to be connected, but in your mind you say to yourself, oh, that makes sense to me, so then you think that it's true. Every, in my eyes, Tim, every dot needs to be connected to a story like this. Not every yeah, dot he, is connected. Sometimes you're forcing those connections where they aren't there, and then you're believing something that isn't true. Yeah, yeah, you're right on that. I mean... You're right on that. It's just, uh, I guess you could say it's a lot of it's speculation, but um, I don't know. I just like, I like to see video, you know, video proof and evidence. But, but then again, if you think, think about it, you know, a lot of people could be editing those videos and everything else. Like, who, wait, wait, who do you believe? Even the news media. Well, l- l- even the, even l- the news media outlets. Let me ask you this. Is the earth flat or is the earth round? Oh, God. You're not going to, you're not going to give me that, are you? Well, what are you? It's completely flat. It's completely flat. <laughs> But if you look at that, if you look at that, there are people oh, who really do believe that it is. And it's because oh, I know. they I know. get enough information that confirms the bias that they have. And that's, that's what it's called. It's called confirmation bias. Yeah. And, and the problem is people don't use critical thinking anymore. What they do is they look for the things that back up what it is that they already think so that they can be right. It's not about learning and being educated anymore for people. And I don't mean you. I just mean in general, it's about being correct. People actually think that the moon landing was faked. I mean, they and they and it's. I don't know how you think about that, but that kind of goes along for, hand in hand with the with the with the flat Earth theory too. Yeah, for a long time, I, I looked at the possibility of. Listen, I think we really went to the moon, but I also think that there's a good chance that maybe what we saw on television was not what was happening live on the moon because. Uh, in my mind, it was always like, "What do you do if if there's a what? If, what if they walk out of the thing and they get sucked up into space and it doesn't work? Yeah, right, right. Like that would have been a, a, a huge tragedy that would have killed the space program forever." So I was like, "Maybe they do have some some safe footage to run." But then the more I looked into it, the more I said, "You know, no, this is this is legitimate." And it is amazing when you realize like the technology that they had to do that is like less than the technology we have in our pockets every day now. Yeah, so. Yeah, I know. Anyway. I am seeing. I, I'll let you go on this one. I am seeing a lot of that. A lot of uh, those signs though on the road, um, especially when I'm driving all day. I see a lot of those. Even even way up north, you know, I go way up north in Massachusetts too, and it's. I see a lot of them up there. But uh, it's that stop HD forty four twenty bill mm-hmm. signs. I don't know if you've been seeing them around the area, but I've seen a few. Are, there yeah. are a lot of yeah. There are a lot of a lot of them up north. You know, I don't know if there's so many so many down here, but there are up you know up up past Boston. So, all right, I'll let you run. All right, you have a good day. 
And uh, we do have to take a quick break back in a few. And we'll get right back to the talk with you in just a few moments. But now it is time to go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. The apparent names and addresses of the grand jury members that indicted former President Trump have been posted online. The info was found on a website that frequently uses violent rhetoric. Nonpartisan research group Advanced Democracy spotted the posting and said that the names and supposed pictures of grand jurors have started to circulate on other social media sites. Threats have been made online against the jurors and Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, who brought charges against Trump and 18 others over attempted interference in, 20, in 2020's Georgia election results. At least 110 people are confirmed dead in what has become the deadliest wildfire in modern U.S. history. The devastating wind-driven blaze tore through the town of Lahaina on the island of Maui. Hawaii Governor Josh Green confirmed the new total in a news conference Thursday afternoon, adding that roughly 2,000 people are still without power. Estimates are that the economic cost to Maui could approach $7 billion. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden are set to visit Maui on Monday. A federal appeals court is upholding parts of a decision limiting access to a widely used abortion pill. Judges on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with a Texas judge and agreed the FDA did not properly follow procedures when it loosened access to the pill. The pill will not be available through the mail, but will remain on the market. The Justice Department is expected to appeal the ruling and the Supreme Court has issued a stay while all the cases go through the lower courts. The Federal Reserve warns the pace of inflation may mean more interest rate hikes. Lisa Taylor has more. In a recent meeting, Fed officials were somewhat optimistic the last quarter percentage point rate hike would be the last of the cycle and officials would wait and see how the hikes were impacting inflation. But new data shows the economy is expected to slow and unemployment will rise. That might mean another rate hike in September. I'm Lisa Taylor. And a troublesome bear known for breaking into lots in the South Lake Tahoe area of California has been shipped out of state. The 500-pound female black bear, known as Hank the Tank, is responsible for at least 21 break-ins and a lot of property damage. As an alternative to euthanasia, wildlife officials have chosen to relocate the bear to the wild animal refuge near Springfield, Colorado. In sports, the Boston Red Sox lost to the Washington Nationals last night, 6-2. The two teams have one more game in their series today in D.C. First pitch is at 4.05 p.m. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. Another cloudy and dreary day for us, almost like what we saw yesterday. The humidity level is still on the rise. A few spot showers will be around the area. We'll be seeing a high near 77 degrees. Overnight tonight will be cloudy and humid with a few spot showers. Low of 69. And for tomorrow, two rounds of rain moving in with the afternoon being much heavier with thunderstorms moving in high of 80 degrees. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. It is currently 65 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Tim wants to hear your voice this morning. Even if you can't call in, open up the WBSM app and hit open line to record a voicemail he can play on the air. Now, more Tim here on WBSM.
song off because it is such a great song but if you've never seen the promotional video that they made for it Procol Harum so they're back in the days of the people think that you know MTV invented music videos and they invented the term music video they invented the idea of just running music videos 24 hours a day it was radio you could watch that was that was the idea behind MTV but they didn't invent music videos and in fact, creating a program out of music videos was something that Mike Nesmith of the Monkees invented with his, uh, his Video Ranch productions, which he was still running right up until his death. And, and so, you know, elephant parts and all of that stuff. But music promotional videos have been around for a while. In, the, in America, they didn't run them very much. They would rather have you go on to a show and perform. So you'd go on Ed Sullivan. You'd go on some of the variety shows. You'd go on American Bandstand or Soul Train or some of these other shows. But in England, these promotional music videos were huge. And even American artists would create them so that they would play them over there. So you can find music videos from some of those older songs, including A Whiter Shade of Pale, which is a a good look into what it was like in the psychedelic times. And the other thing about it, too, is when MTV had its, you know, heyday of playing music videos, and trust me, I used to watch it all the time, you know, VH1 was the alternative to that, kind of the MTV for the older crowd, and they took a lot of those videos and, and put them on TV. So that's how I got to see a lot of these videos for songs quote-unquote oldies was by seeing the videos on VH1. Sometimes they would be actual, real promotional films that were made at the time. Sometimes there were things people made afterwards. Sometimes there were, you know, live performances from different shows. I love watching, I, th I think it was MeTV that had it or one of those, you know, decades or one of those channels that they would have the best of Ed Sullivan. And I used to love watching that because you would see and it wasn't even the whole show. It was selected segments. But you just see the variety of things that they had on that program. And you, when would you ever get that today? If you watch one of these big, you know, concert events that they do, like the 4th of July concert from, you know, whatever, the National Mall in Washington or all these different, they don't, there's not really even the diversity of music in those. It's kind of all the same generation or maybe maybe there's a little bit of a fluctuation but it's nothing like like say an ed sullivan show was where you might see the beatles one minute but right before the beatles you saw a performance from david copperfield 
starring Davy Jones. That's true. That's what happened. Davy Jones was on the the Ed Sullivan show. I, I believe if I have my facts correct, the night that the Beatles were there and he was performing in a production of Oliver. But you would get that kind of diversity of, of content that we don't really have anymore. Television is programmed to demographics. It's going to be very interesting, by the way, when it comes to television. Yellowstone is the number one show on cable when it's in season. When, when, uh, when it's on, when it's running, it's eight or ten episodes every season. It is the number one show on cable. And it's coming to CBS. Speaking of Ed Sullivan, it's coming to CBS next month. And it's not going to be new episodes. It's going to be the old episodes because, of course, the writer's strike and the SAG after the, the, the um, you know, the writers and the actors are both on strike and they can't create any new products. And some some places are actually sitting on stuff that's already been made. Now, Yellowstone has not made the rest of its fifth season, which, uh, from my understanding, is supposed to be the end of the series. They haven't even started filming that yet. And when they do film it, they're only going to have, they were only supposed to have Kevin Costner for a few weeks. So his role was going to be limited. But if you haven't seen it, or if you want to start it again from the beginning, CBS is going to be running that. And I think you're going to see a lot of this happening because these streaming services have these network partners and those network partners are going to need content. Streaming services need the content too, but they can also survive on their vast catalog that's already built. But the networks will have nothing. They'll just be putting reality programming on like they did during the last strike. But one of the things that they're going to start doing is grabbing some of those streaming shows that they already own the rights to and putting them on their network television. And if you've ever watched Yellowstone, it's going to need some cleanup of the language and some scenes are going to have to be cut. But I think it's going to become an even bigger phenomenon when it's on broadcast television. I say that thinking people still watch broadcast television. And that people aren't going to, you know, if most of America that is interested in Yellowstone has already seen it, are they going to watch it again on CBS? I don't know. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm following the, the strike very closely for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, I love entertainment and I want, I want everything to get settled and I want the writers to have their fair share of everything that's coming in. But also it, it affects some other things as well that people don't even think about. So under the rules of this strike, actors are not supposed to talk about any of their past projects. They're not promoting anything. They can talk about things that they've done outside of that job, so to speak, but they can't promote any past products. And, and I saw, I think it was Bill Moomy on Facebook. Yes, Bill Moomy, who, if you remember, he was on Lost in Space. Uh, he was Anthony in uh, the Twilight Zone. You're a good boy, Anthony, a very good boy. He was one half of, of Barnes and Barnes who, who had the song Fish Heads, Fish Heads, Roly Poly Fish Heads. I mean, he's, he's done a lot. 
and he is he just wrote a book and he's going out on the convention tour you know going to the comic cons and all those uh, all the different pop culture conventions and he put that he will be selling his book at these conventions he can talk about his book he can talk about barnes and barnes he can't talk about lost in space he can't talk about twilight zone which if we, and, and somebody says, so if I go up to you to your table and I buy a copy of your book and you're signing your book, I can't ask you a question about Lost in Space? And Bill Mooney said, that's correct. Under the terms of the strike, we cannot talk about past product, projects even in that capacity. Which makes me think, what's going to happen with all of those panels that happen at, at conventions, at Comic-Cons? Will they bring... People in, put them on the dais, and they have a, a auditorium full of people there to hear them speak. And if you've ever been to one of those, they can get kind of tedious. I've actually hosted panels before. I um I hosted a a panel with the Power Rangers a few years ago, and this the room was packed for this. And so basically, my job was just to introduce each one of the Power Rangers that were there and the characters that were there, and then. All the fans would come up to the microphone and ask questions. And every question was like super in-depth. Do you remember in season three, episode 14, when this happened and then, then you did this and you were wearing the yellow shirt and some of the... And like they know all the minutiae. So what's going to happen to those panels if they can't talk about those things? And what happens to those conventions if people go into it knowing that they, they won't have those things, that they can't talk about these projects with people? I think for a lot of people, it doesn't matter. They go there just for the photo opportunities or the autograph opportunities. So they don't really care so much about the conversation because they, you know, they just kind of sign it and move on. Like, you know, not every person wants to talk to a celebrity or, or gets tongue tied when they're around a celebrity. But some want to get up there and monopolize that celebrity's time and, and ask them all kinds of questions. So maybe when we get closer to, you know, Rhode Island Comic Con is coming up in November, we'll keep an eye on it and see how things are going to play out. But maybe as we get closer to it, we can have that conversation. You know, the organizer is a friend of mine, so maybe we can say, you know, we want you to just talk to us about what people can expect of the change because I think that would be interesting to people. Also, speaking of pop culture and celebrities, we're going to have a special guest joining us in the first week of September. For a brief conversation, you know, it's not going to be a, a long conversation, but we're going to be having actor Courtney Gaines on with us uh, coming up on September 6th. Courtney Gaines is an actor who has been in, he was Malachi in Children of the Corn. Uh, he was in, he was in an episode of 21 Jump Street, a very memorable episode, the first appearance of the McQuaid brothers. If you know 21 Jump Street, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, what else was he in? He was in The Burbs. Uh, he's the, the, the red-headed guy in Back to the Future that uh, when George McFly is, is dancing with Lorraine at the dance and uh, he comes over and he says, Scram, McFly, I'm cutting in. And then George McFly grabs him and says, you know, I forget, I forget the line. Why well, I can't remember the line. I know that movie like the back of my hand. But anyway, he's that guy. 
So he's been in a lot of memorable roles, a character actor that you, you would recognize. But he also has a new album out. He's going to join us to talk about that. And he's coming to the area for some conventions. So it'll be fun. You know, we'll just do some stuff like that from time to time just because we can, right? Fun conversations in the morning because we can. That's what we do here. All right, I do have to take a break, though. 508-996-0500. Back in a few moments. Um. Welcome back, and we're back on the chain gang. Well, no, not necessarily. I don't know if that's uh, if that's uh, something that you'd want to be back on, but it's certainly a great song, right? If you are a what's what's I don't want to say technical. If you're a technologically inclined person, then you have no issue with utilizing the WBSM app and opening it up and recording open line voicemails and sending them over to us. And so then you know how to enter to win a Seize the Deal certificate by opening it up and telling us your name, where you're from, and why you love listening to WBSM. But if you're not a technically inclined person, you may be a little bit intimidated by that idea. But I'm here to tell you it is super easy. All you have to do is open up the app, hit the open line button, and you can record audio as simply as pressing a button, saying what you want to say, and then sending it, sending it in to us. And everybody who does that will be entered to win a Seize the Deal certificate. So we're going to keep that going. But we also have another contest that I want to let you know about at WBSM.com and on the app where you can win tickets to see Sam Hunt at MGM Music Hall at Fenway. It's happening on Saturday, August 26th. And if you want to see Sam Hunt, who is one of country's most prolific artists, then you can go to our website, WBSM.com, or our app and enter to win now. We will select a couple of winners by the end of the week. We have a couple pairs of tickets. Sometimes they just give us a few pairs to things, and I just want to be able to give them to you. So uh, we run a quick contest, but it's up there now for you to enter, and we'll draw our winners uh, by Friday. We'll, we'll let you know. All right, I got to take my final break of this hour. Back in a few moments. All right, we only have about 40 seconds before we have to go into the news. So, caller, if you want to hang on during the news, we'll take you immediately uh, at the start of the next hour. If not, if you want to call back, I understand. But I, don't, I wouldn't want to have to only give you 40 seconds on the air. And if you want to call in, 508-996-0500, that is the number to call us. You can also send app chat messages and open line voicemails via the WB.